Today we are continuing our series on Proverbs, specifically on the topic of parents and children and grandparents, right? So that applies to all of us, right? All of us are children of our parents. Some of us are grandchildren. Uh, we have grandparents. Some of us are grandparents ourselves. And certainly many of us are mothers and fathers. And we can learn much from today's uh, message. Um, the problem in Singapore, in our very high-stress society, a very common problem is this problem of gasu uh, parenting. We're always so afraid of losing out. For our international friends who may not understand Singlish, please uh, forgive us. Right? Gasu basically means we are afraid of losing out. We are afraid of losing out to someone else. Right? And we always try to get ahead. We are very, very competitive in Singapore, especially in academics. We want to make sure that our kids get the best uh, hit start in life. And so we send them to all kinds of uh, enrichment classes. And there was a child who was enrolled in a right brain training course when he was just one and a half years old. <laughs> a right brain training course. Of course, the brains are still developing when you're young. It's true that the uh, young kids' uh, brains are still developing. They're like a sponge. They absorb a lot of things that you teach them. So what you instruct them during their formative years, in the first perhaps 10 years of their life, is very, very important. So the role of mothers, very, very critical at home. If you are with them, you have this wonderful opportunity to mold this precious child like soft clay, right? before the clay hardens, right? like a potter huh? who is making this beautiful pottery. Before the clay hardens, it is soft and moldable. You can mold it and mold this child into the image of Christ. Right? So you can prepare the child for success in life according to God's word by giving them the word of God. And that's the tremendous opportunity that we have. But unfortunately, Kiasu parents and in Christians included uh, are very fond of um, hothousing our kids by sending them to many, many enrichment classes and academic classes, but not so much on building them up in the Word of God and on spiritual things. And this is what we want to focus on today. Right? So if you have not been spending time with your children on the Word of God, in prayer and in family devotions, today may be a wake-up call right? for all of us. Then we need to spend time with our children, our grandchildren, to emphasize on spiritual things, which are much more important. As God's children, we must live differently from the rest of the world. Right? How else do the world know that we are children of God? Right? We need to live differently. We need to be different in the way we raise our children, in the way of the Lord, so that the world may see the difference in our children and in the way we raise our children, that we emphasize on the most important things, which is the treasure that we have as God's people, that we can pass on this treasure to our children. The Word of God the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us emphasize on spiritual things in our homes so that our children will get the best treasures from God and not just from the academics and the things of the world. The six-year-old girl, Gloria Go, started attending phonics lessons at two years old. She has a home Chinese tutor and attends English and maths group lessons at an enrichment school 
since she was two years old. Now she's six years old. She attends three hours of kindergarten every weekday morning, and her mother also teaches her multiplication at home. Right? Now, I'm not saying that all these you know, reading, writing, arithmetic is not important. They're important, right? They're important in, uh, in terms of skills that we are trying to give to our children so that they can survive and they can thrive uh, in this world. They can earn a living. They can get a job. They can support themselves and their family and provide for their families. But what is more important is not just surviving, having a good income. What is more important is life, abundant life, the abundant life that Jesus has given to us. That's the most important treasure that we, as God's people, can give to our children and our grandchildren. And that's what we must emphasize in our homes. So what does the Bible say about parenting, about parent-child relationships? Some of us are angry with our parents. We don't have very good relationships with our parents, fathers and mothers. We're very strained relationships because of resentments uh, that has uh, built up over the years. We felt that our parents have not been good to us, They've not been responsible financially or spiritually. Therefore, we are angry with them. And we want to carry this anger for the rest of our lives. Now, this is something that we'll, we will address even today from the Word of God. What's the role of grandparents? Right? So these are things that we will examine today. So I have just three points. Firstly, we will talk about children that they are to honour the parents, care for them, provide for them, do not mistreat, speak ill of them, because Christ is the head of the home, watching every one of us. Parents should train up the children in the way of the Lord. That is a need for formative instruction and corrective discipline that we have covered in the series of family seminars earlier this year. For those who have attended, you have learned precious lessons from Dr. and Mrs. Ted Tripp. Uh, and we have to set our hope in Christ. We have to teach our children to set their hope in Christ. Now, that can only happen if we ourselves are setting our hope in Christ. So we walk the talk. We walk the talk. Very often, children are resentful towards the parents because they don't see that godly example. They don't see that godly example in the parents. They don't see the godly example in the grandparents. Right? And so... Parents and grandparents must set godly examples. You can start setting a godly example by not sleeping during the sermon, okay? Because your children are watching you, right? If you are sleeping during the sermon, that means the sermon is not very important, okay? Right? Or you skip worship service. That means the worship service is not very important, right? Or you choose to come to worship services based on the topic. Ah, this topic is not very good for me, right? I don't like this topic, so I don't come to worship. We don't treat the Word of God like that. Every part of the Word of God is important to all of us. It's relevant to all of us. It may not be directly relevant to you today, but it may be relevant to you another day. Or it may be relevant to you, once you learn it, you can give advice to someone else, your colleague, your friends, someone. All right? And there are rewards for parents who are godly parents. So we'll talk about some of these things. And grandparents too, right? So grandparents don't fall asleep, all right? All right? This is the time for you. You have a wonderful opportunity and a privilege to shape the lives of your grandchildren, to be role models to them. And don't undermine your children's uh, uh, efforts to raise the children in the way of the Lord, but to support them in parenting. All right, so firstly, 
instructions to children. What are the children's duties to parents? We are to honour our parents. So let's read this verse together, Exodus 20, verse 12. Together, Honour thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now this is the commandment with promise. Right? So let's read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 2 to 3 to read what is this promise. Together, Honour thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. So there is a promise of blessing from God. Now some of you may think, hey, I don't want to live so long. Right? Don't, don't ever say that. Right? Because if you say that, God can actually take away your life very, very soon. You know, there are some young children who do not survive beyond 5 years old, beyond 10 years old, beyond 15 years old. Right? So life it's a blessing from God. Physical life, health, is a blessing from God. Spiritual life, abundant life in Christ is a blessing from God. As God's people, we have so many blessings that people in the world do not have. It is a privilege and a joy to be able to live a Christian life. And to honour our father and mother, that is our first commandment with promise that God will bless us even as we honour him. Now, you will know that in this commandment, there is no condition attached. It does not say, honour thy father if he is a godly father who brings back a lot of money for you and buys toys for you and celebrates birthday with you every year and brings you on holiday to America, to Japan, to all the wonderful countries in the world. It doesn't say that. You are to honour your father even if your father is a non-Christian. You are to honour your father and mother even if they are not kind to you, you think, right? And you are resentful of them. They did not provide you the kind of quality of life that your friends enjoy, that you are envious of in your classmates, your neighbours or even church people. So there is no such condition attached. And it's very similar to the kind of uh, Proverbs and even the commandments that we have been seeing in the past many weeks or months. That concerns husbands and wives. Remember we talked about husbands and wives? Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. Does it say, husbands, love your wives if your wife is lovable, pretty, very kind to you, and always cook all your favourite food, always gentle? It doesn't say that. Right? Even if your wife is not gentle, even if your wife doesn't cook, even if your wife doesn't do all these things for you, you are to love your wife as Christ loved you. Why? Because Christ loved you when you were not lovable. Right? Christ loved us when we were sinners. When we were sinners. When we were enemies of God. When we were far away from God. Christ loved us. Reached out to us. Brought us out of darkness into His marvelous light. And we praise the Lord. That is the kind of love that we should model as God's people, between husbands and wives, between wives and husbands as well. All right, so likewise, the same with children's responsibility to fathers and mothers. There are no conditions, but there is a promise when there is uh, obedience to the Word of God. Promise of blessing. Next, we are to listen to our parents. All right, let's read this together. Proverbs 13, verse 1. A wise son heareth his father's instruction. 
but the scorner heareth not rebuke. Right? So if you are wise, you listen, not just to the father, but also to the mother. Right? Both the father and mother listen. Why? Because the parents have your best interest at heart. They have gone through experiences that you have not gone through. They have made mistakes that they know you will make. They're trying to, they're trying to uh, save you from those hurts and the problems that they have gone through. And so, out of kindness, they tell you to avoid these problems and these mistakes. Proverbs 23, 22, we have read and uh, we've tried to memorize. Let's read this together again. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. And that applies to many of us when we have aging parents. Do not despise them. Remember when you were young, when you were a baby, your parents sacrificed themselves for you. They did everything for you because you were so helpless. And now as they grow older, they may not be able to move very well. They may be bedridden. Do not despise them. Right? This is your opportunity to take care of them, to lavish love, kindness, gentleness, encouragement upon them. Do not despise them. Love them. Chapter 15, verse 5. A fool despises his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent, is wise. So if you listen to your father and mother, now of course, the caveat here is that if they are teaching you the good things, there are some parents who are evil. It's true. There are some parents who are unwise. That's true. There are some parents who are non-believers. They may not be very wise in the things that they teach you. They may teach you to do evil. Don't follow them, right? So the caveat here is that, yes, you listen to the instructions of your parents insofar as those instructions are not contrary to scriptures, right? So if they are in line and consistent with scriptures, you obey them wholeheartedly, not grudgingly, not with the roll of the eyes, Right? Not reluctantly. Oh, okay, I will obey you after a count of 100. <laughs> after your mom counts to 100, then I will obey. Or you obey a mom seven days later, right? <laughs> instead of immediately. What is obedience? Now, we always teach our children, obey your parents immediately, completely, and cheerfully. Right? Immediately, completely and cheerfully. That's obedience. If you don't obey cheerfully, that's not obedience. If you don't obey immediately, that's not obedience. Alright, so if you don't obey completely, you just do half of what your mom tells you to do, right? That's not obedience. Right? It's the same with all of us. Huh? Whatever God tells us to do, let us remember to obey God immediately, completely and cheerfully. We have to obey our parents. Proverbs 6, 20-21 and verse 23. Let's read this together. My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. For the commandment is a lamb and the law is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Alright, so whether it's your father's commandment or your mother's law, the rules that are set for the home, they are important for you. They are meant for your protection. Right? If the mom tells the little child, don't go to the kitchen when I'm cooking, right? so that it puts up a barrier, it's there for a reason. Because the child does not know the danger of 
hot water of oil splattering when you are frying the fish or chicken. The child doesn't know all these things and may get into danger. And therefore, the mother is protecting the child by setting these rules and the child must learn to obey those rules. The mother or the father may not have time to explain all the rules, the, the reason behind all those rules, but they are nonetheless important. The commandment is a lamb. It is a light to shine on the path. In the dark, on a dark night, when there is no light, you need a lamb, a torch, to shine the path. Otherwise, you will stumble and fall. And the commandment is like that. It is to prevent you from falling. It is to protect you. It is for your safety. It is for your own good. The law is light. Reproofs of instructions are the way of life. That's how we learn when we are young. When, we are, when the child is young and the brain is still developing like a sponge, absorbing things. This is the time when we need to be feeding, not just milk to our children and babies. We need to feed it them with the word of God, with the instructions from God's word, with the commandments of, of God's word, so that our children can grow and understand the word of God and they can eventually come to Christ. Now, if you are an older child, right, remember that to your parents, you are always their child. Right? Even though you may be 40 years old, you may be 50 years old, you're always a child to your parents. Right? Your parents will always look on you as his or her child. Right? And your parents are always your parents. And you must always honour your parents. Yes, I know some of them may have become senile. Some of them may even have dementia. They may give you a lot of trouble and problems. Uh, but remember, there were times in your life when you were helpless. You gave a lot of trouble to your parents. And now, in a sense, it's payback time. Right? Now, when they are older, it's your time for you to repay their kindness, their love that they have showered upon you. Right? It is a commandment with promise of the blessings from God. And don't speak ill of your parents. Right? Proverbs 30 verse 11, There is a generation that curses their father and doth not bless their mother. Whoso curses his father or his mother, his lamb shall be put out in obscure darkness. There are strong warnings, condemnations of children who are not filial to their father and mother. It is an abomination. God hates children who are not filial to their father and mother. In fact, God condemns these children as even unbelievers. And there is a warning of even death uh, as a punishment for those wicked children. And we are not to mistreat our parents when they are old. Proverbs 19, verse 26. Let this, let's read this together. He that wasteth his father and chaseth away his mother is a son that causeth shame and bringeth reproach. 28, verse 24, together. Whoso robbeth his father or his mother and saith, it is no transgression, the same is the companion of a destroyer. So these are the bad examples that we must avoid. Now, we must never rob our parents. And there are children who do that. Children who are drug addicts, alcoholics, gamblers, right, who rob their parents because they are so desperate for money to feed their addictions. There are children who are the heartaches of their parents, who do not care for their parents and do not listen to their parents and mistreat their parents. And worse, they have this 
a veil, this outward look of spirituality, right? In this case, Jesus was telling, uh, in fact, criticizing the uh, Pharisees and the scribes for their hypocrisy. Look at Mark chapter 7, verses 10 to 12. Let's read these three verses together. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Corban, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother. Now, what is Corban? Corban is an offering that is consecrated to God. Right, so you have this situation where the Pharisees came up with these new rules that have added to the word of God. God says, honor their father and their mother. He says, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not negating that rule. But the Pharisees said, oh, but I have consecrated all my properties and my bank account to the Lord. It is a gift that is given to God. So I've got no more money to give to my parents. Right? I cannot provide for them in their old age. It is Corban. It's given to God already. But then they take a long time to give to God. They take years, 10 years to give to God the Corban. Right? So during the, those 10 years, they don't give any money to the parents. They don't provide for the parents. And Jesus says, you, have, you, are, you are a hypocrite. Right? In your lips, you honour God. You pretend that you are spiritual. But actually, you are not. You are just finding an excuse not to provide for your father and your mother. And that is mistreating your parents. Jesus called them hypocrites. Well, have Isaiah, Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites as it is written. This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. How be in vain do they worship me? Yeah, you can come to temple to worship. You pray these long prayers, but so what? You're a hypocrite. You don't do the work of God. You think God doesn't know what you have been doing in your life? You can present all this, you know, this front of uh, a spiritual worship. Uh, you look so spiritual in church and in the temple. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, instead of obeying the word of God, you hold the tradition of men. As the washing of pots and cups, you are so fastidious and meticulous about washing these pots and cups, but you do not wash your heart of the filth and the sin and the hatred that is in your heart. And he said unto them, Full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition to your own convenience. And so, this is something that we must learn. Are we doing something like that? Are we looking spiritual? Saying that, oh, that amount, I'm so busy in church. I'm so busy worshipping God in church. I'm so busy serving God in church. I have no time to visit you. I have no time to have lunch or dinner with you. Is that our excuses that we are giving to our parents? That's wrong. Jesus says, that is hypocritical. You should set aside time, especially if you are a Christian, especially if you are the only Christian in your family. You must set aside time for your parents. How else would your parents know that Christians are different? How else will your parents see the love of Christ in you? Other than you showing love that is so different from someone else. Alright, so we must check ourselves. Let us not give spiritual excuses. 
It's really heartbreaking when children abandon the parents when they need them the most. Now, when I say abandon the parents, it's not just the matter of really not providing for them. You may give them money, but if you have no time for them, to your parents, it is almost like abandoning them. Can you imagine when you were growing up as a little kid, how much time your mother or your father spent with you? How much time do they lavish their love, their care for you, to guide you through your studies, to show concern when you are hurt, when you have problems in your life, to talk to you, to guide you, to counsel you. They, have, they always have time for you. They always set aside things, even their work. No matter how busy they are, they try to set aside time to bring you to play, to bring you to parties, to bring you to things that are important for you. They set aside time for you. But now when your parents are old, are you too busy with your work? Are you too busy with church ministry? Are you too busy with your own hobbies and your sports that you have no time for them? Or you love your job more than you love your parents. I know of some Christians who love to work overseas. They don't want to be in Singapore. They want to work overseas so they don't have to worry about taking care of someone else. And they can enjoy their life overseas with freedom on their own. And to forget that their parents who are aged, who need them, who are lonely, who have no time to have lunch with, who have no one to bring them to medical appointments, to hospital appointments, even when they are sick. Who do they call? I know of parents, Christian parents. When they are sick, they won't call their children. They call church members. Can you bring me to the hospital? I don't want to trouble my children. And the children could be Christians. Why? Why are the children not in Singapore, working long-term overseas? How many more years will your parents be able to enjoy your presence? Some of your parents could be in their 80s, 90s. How many more years do you have time with them? When they are still alive, when they are still strong, when they can still eat, you're not around with them to bring them to lunch, to bring them for tea, to bring them for coffee, to spend time on walks with them, to bring them to medical appointments. If you're not by their side when, you, when they are able to enjoy the food that you provide for them, then when are you going to be by their side? You want to wait for them to be bedridden when they have stroke, when they cannot eat anything, and then you'll come back to come by their side. Let us repent of our sins today. It is, it is a hard lesson for us. And I know in life there are no easy choices. Sometimes you can earn a lot more money overseas than you can in your own homes. But nonetheless, we have important responsibilities towards our children, towards our parents, and also towards our siblings. That we must care for our parents. First Timothy 5.8, let's read this together. But if any provide not for his own and especially for those of his own house, he had denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Infidel is a non-believer. If you don't even provide for your parents or even for your children, for your wife, for your family members, you are worse than a non-believer if you are financially irresponsible. And this applies to parents as well. If you are financially irresponsible, you're worse than a non-Christian. Even non-Christian parents know that they must provide for their family. If you are not even providing for your family, 
then you have denied the faith. It's as if you are a non-Christian. You're not providing for the families and for your aging parents. And some of us are in the sandwich generation. We feel sandwich, you know, like sandwich. Huh? We feel pressure on both sides. We have aging parents who we need to provide for, right? Medical bills. And then we have very young kids whom we need to nurture, we need to spend time. We are called sandwich generation because it's very tough. Because you don't have time for yourself. Right? You need to work to provide for everyone, for the young ones and for the old. You need to work hard because it's not easy to work in Singapore. It's very stressful. The hours are very long. You don't have much time for yourself. And you need to still spend time with your kids so that you can help them in their studies. You can guide them with the Word of God. You need to do family devotion. You need to pray with them. And then you need to take care of their elderly parents. And you have no time for yourself. And it's true. <clears throat> right? This is the sandwich generation. It can be very tough and it's ne- sometimes necessary to discuss with your siblings how to share the load of caring for your elderly parents. It's necessary to talk with your siblings. And don't just conveniently let the unmarried sibling take care of the parents. Right? And usually the burden falls on the unmarried sibling. Oh, because you're not married. Hey, I have children. I have to take care of my wife, my husband, you know. And then, you know, oh, you're not married. You can take care of dad and mom. Right? It's not fair. Right? It's not fair that, you know, oh, just because the person is unmarried. Sibling is unmarried. So all the burden falls on the sibling. Right? So even if you're married, you need to share the burden. Right? You need to share the burden of caring for your parents. So, practical suggestions huh, on this topic. No parent is perfect. None of us is perfect. Right? We all have our weaknesses. And therefore, uh, as parents, as Christians, we must walk the talk. We must strive to be godly. We must strive to obey the word of God. Yes, where we have failed, we seek forgiveness from our children. Right? We don't be too proud. We seek forgiveness from our children. We reconcile with them. We reconcile with them so that we will forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us of all our sins. If you are the only Christian child, then you strive to love, honour and care and provide for your parents, especially if they are non-believers. Right? You need to shower love upon your non-Christian parents. Then they can see the difference in a Christian versus a non-Christian child. Don't assume that the care or burden should fall on the unmarried siblings. I mentioned that. Make sure you spend time with parents who are lonely. Right? There was once a um, mother who said, you know, when I'm still alive, I don't mind me giving I don't mind me, I don't mind that you give me flowers now. Right? Or bring me for lunch now when I can eat, when I can enjoy and see the flowers. Don't bring me flowers when I'm dead. Right? Bring me flowers when I'm alive, right? Give me food that I can enjoy with you and your children when I'm alive, when I'm healthy. Bring me on holidays with you when I'm healthy, when I'm still able to walk. Right? Make sure you spend time with your parents who are lonely. Bring them for medical appointments, very important. Sacrifice your overseas career. I know sometimes some of us earn a lot more money overseas, right? But there are times in your life when you need to do your duty as children to care for your aging parents. How much longer are they going to have a time alive with you, to be able to enjoy eating with you? Right? So you need to spend time with them. There's also a priority to share Christ 
especially to your non-Christian parents, and Christ's love for them, make sure you give them pocket money. I always tell my children, even though we don't need money right, from our children, but we always tell them, you need to give us money because that is a token of the fact that we have loved you and we have cared for you, we have brought you up since you were young. And it is a small sacrifice on your part. And of course, we will give them back in many other ways, right? But the important thing is that token, is that gesture of the fact that dad and mom, you have taken good care of me when I was young. I want to give back to you in gratitude for all you have done for me. Even if your parents are wealthy, even if your parents are wealthy and don't need your money, it is a token that you express your love in some way to your aged parents, especially those who are not working. Uh, sandwich generation, we talk about that. You need to marry, manage your family budget very carefully. If you are in a sandwich generation because hospital bills to pay for your parents and you have children, education to take care of and your own retirement as well, right? So sandwich generation, this is not the time to splurge or to gamble away your money or to be financially imprudent or to go on new business ventures where you spend all your money away and you lose all your money, right? So manage your money very, very carefully in the sandwich generation. So we talk about the duties of children. Next, we're going to talk about duties of parents, right? Duties of parents. Firstly, Proverbs 22, verse 6. Let's read this together. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, this is, a, this is not a promise in the sense that, right? but this is a general truth. If you spend time with the children to train up a child in the Word of God, to teach them the Word of God, to understand the Word, to memorize scriptures, and to make sure that they understand it and apply it in their lives, to lead them to Christ at a very early age, then very likely they will come to Christ, very likely they will know Christ, and they will obey Christ, and they will follow Christ the rest of their life. Doesn't mean they will be perfect children. Doesn't mean that they will not sin. Doesn't mean that they will not fall. But if they are believers, you know that they are safe in the arms of Jesus. Right? Just like us, right? When we are born again, there will be times when we will fall. Even King David fell. Right? But there will be times when Christ, uh, when God will chastise us and bring us back to Him again. Because we are His children. And we will not depart from the path, the righteous path that He has set for us. So what must we do as parents? Two main things. One, formative instruction. Two, corrective discipline. Right? Formative instruction means positive giving of the Word of God. Right? You do this every day on a regular basis as far as possible. I know some days when you're very tired, you can't do it every day, it's fine. Right? Don't want to feel guilty. Right? Some days you have very long hours. By the time you come home, the kids are asleep. You don't have to wake them up. You know? <laughs> right? Don't wake them up at 10.30pm you know, and sacrifice their sleep. They need to go to school tomorrow. Right? So you can do tomorrow. Right? When you bring them to school, you can talk to them. Right? That's what Deuteronomy tells us. Right? Let's read these together. Uh, these words. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, when thou risest up. Right? So wherever you are, when you're bringing your kids to school, uh, to the kindergarten, to the nursery, right? to enrichment class, whatever it is, uh, to the park, there are opportunities for you to 
tell them about God. It doesn't mean that you have to tell them a 45-minute sermon. Right? That's not the idea here. The idea is a little bit here and there, a little bit here and there. One verse here, one instruction here, one commandment there, one reminder here, one reminder there. And one story here and there. Right? So, before you sleep, you can give them the Bible stories. I remember when my boys were very young, they loved stories. <laughs> they loved stories. I got so tired of telling story after story after story. You know, the story time lights off, right? It's time to sleep. <laughs> but the story time can last for one hour. And I'm so tired. And I fall asleep before then. <laughs> but those are wonderful times when you build bonds with your children. When you tell them about the love of God. You tell them about Christ, about your experience with God. And these are the times, are bonding times, lovely times when you can talk to them. Right? So spiritual things are very important. Daily formal instruction, a formative instruction that forms, that molds them into the image of Christ, that leads them to the Saviour. Every day you must do it. For this to be effective, you do it every day. And it's positive. So that when you correct them, you remind them that, look, I've told you about this commandment from God, but you have disobeyed this commandment. Then your corrective discipline becomes effective because you have been teaching them regularly. You have been reminding them of the Word of God. So when you correct them, it becomes effective. They are reminded, oh yeah, you have told me, and I have disobeyed God's Word. So when you discipline them, they know they deserve the discipline. Alright, so formative instruction every day, as far as possible. But, unfortunately in Singapore, even Christian parents, right, even myself included, we always fall to the pressure and the stress of our society. We have very little time for Bible reading. We have very little time for family devotions. Because every day is study, 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 study. CCA, study, CCA, sports. Everything else is more important than the Word of God. And I guess it's the same with many of us as well. When we are working, our work, 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 work. After we come back home, oh, I'm so tired. When I open the Bible, I fall asleep. <laughs> we have no time to read the Bible. Well, for each and every one of us, we have to find a suitable time where everyone else is fresh. Right? Maybe a good time would be after dinner, after a shower. Right? Everyone is fresh. But some of you will say, hey, yeah, that's the best time to do your studies, to prepare for tests tomorrow. No. Right? Spiritual things come first. Time for family devotion. Very short one, right? For very young kids, just a three-minute three minute thing. One song, one simple lesson. A prayer, that's it, right? Three minutes, five minutes. As the kids grow older, you can add it a bit longer, right? When they can start reading the Bible themselves, you can get them to read, right? Read the Bible, take turns to read. Get them to memorize all these things, right? Don't, be, don't, don't have an unhealthy obsession about academics. In Singapore there will always be this stress. But as God's people, as Christian parents, let us remember to put God first, right? Instead of uh, academics, right? Don't fall into the trap of competitive parenting, right? So what are we to focus on? The gospel. To set our children's hope in God, not in the things of the world, not in the perfect scores. Let's read Psalm 78, verses 6 and 7 together. That the generation to come might know them, 
even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to the children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. That is our whole objective of parenting or grandparenting, to set our children and our, grand, our grandchildren's hope in God. But this presupposes that our hope is also in God. Right? It's only when your hope is in God, then you can pass on that hope to your children and to your grandchildren, that my hope is in God. My prayer is always about Christ, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There is always hope in Christ. That even if I fail my exams, even if my kids fail their exams, it's not the end of the world. There are some parents who are very scary. You know, they tell their kids, you fail this exam, you know what I'm going to do to you? And the kids are so scared to come home. And so what happened? There was one primary five, primary six boy went to the top of the block and jumped to his death. So afraid to bring back the report card to the parents. That must never be us. That is the wrong message that we give to our children. That studies is everything. That straight A's is everything. No, it isn't. It isn't. We have to set our hope not in our studies or not even in how much money we earn. We have to set our hope in God, right? God is our, Christ is our only hope. With Christ, there is endless hope. Without Christ is hopeless end. That's the message that we must give to our children and our grandchildren every day to set our hope in God, not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. And always have this, you know, in your home. Christ is the head of our home. Right? He's the unseen guest at every meal. So we, 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 we give thanks, we say grace before we eat. And that's a wonderful thing when the family can come together around the family uh, dining table and the father can pray for everyone in the house, for their needs. Everyone, right? Individual needs. We can pray. And he is a silent listener. Christ is the silent listener to every conversation. And so parents, be careful of what you tell your children. Even when you are angry, when they have disobeyed you, be careful. Christ is listening to your anger and to what you are telling your children and scolding your children, right? right? You yourself may need to be disciplined by Christ, by the things that you tell your children. Even in our counsel, remember that when you parent, you cannot parent in anger. When you're not in control of your emotions, you cannot teach your children anything. You must go away in your room, pray, quiet down, right? calm down, then you can talk to your children about God. Right, so once you have given formative instruction on a daily basis, the Word of God, on a regular basis, then when you correct your child, when your child sins, you can discipline your child. Remember, I've told you about this, that you have now sinned against God, you have disobeyed God, you have disobeyed dad and mom. I need to discipline you. Then the discipline becomes effective, right? Proverbs 22, verse 15. Let's read this together. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Now, of course, the rod of correction can only be used when the child is very, very young. Right? Usually, we try not to use the rod past maybe primary two or primary three because the child becomes very, very... Uh, is able to fight back, right? number one. Number two, it becomes less effective. So the rod is best used when the child is from one and a half years old 
all the way to maybe about six, seven years old. Try to wean off the rod by six to seven. Right? And use it very sparingly, only for sins. Right? If a child does something wrong, a mistake, like for example, you ask the child to help to carry a cup from a cup of water from the kitchen to the dining table. The child is being helpful, right? learning how to do chores. But the child is not very steady and spills the water on the floor. You don't discipline the child for spilling water on the floor, right? Okay? That is not a sin. That is a mistake right? that all of us make, right? this kind of mistakes. Right? So it's okay you excuse the child. Right? You can do again. All right? Make sure that the child doesn't have a full cup of water, maybe just half a cup of water. So there is some uh, margin, a bigger margin for error. Right? But when the child sins, and every child will be a sinner. Every child is born a sinner, right? And every child will sin. Just like we, you continue to sin. Right? And therefore, we need to correct the child. The rod of correction is very, very effective. So discipline is very important. We must chasten our son while there is hope. Let not your soul spare for his crying. The rod and reproof gave wisdom. But a child left to himself bring his mother to shame. Right, so the rod is important when used at a very early age. Right, and it is to be used sparingly as a last resort. Usually we, re- we, we, we try with reasoning, with talking to the child first. When everything else fails, then we use the rod. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings his mother to shame. So if we fail to correct the child at the age when the child is moldable, Right? The clay is still soft. If we fail to correct the child, we miss that opportunity. When the child's clay and the brain is hardened, the soul is hardened, then you will miss the opportunity. Correct thy son and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. So if you have never disciplined your child and the child is now a teenager, you can't discipline. Right? Not in that way. Not using the rod. So, it is best used when the child is very, very young. Proverbs 13, verse 24, He that spares his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chaseth him, chaseth him betimes. Now, I emphasize this because the Bible has so many verses, not just in Proverbs, but the rest of the, uh, outside of Proverbs as well, about discipline. And I know this is a struggle for some parents because perhaps when you were growing up, your parents never disciplined you. And then you get into marriage, your husband's, your husband was disciplined when he was a child and he wants to discipline the child when you have children. And you said, no. I was never disciplined and I was okay. Right? So husband and wife started to quarrel over disciplining of children. Now this happens quite a lot, even in churches, right? especially in churches. Now this is not something that is good. The husband and wife must agree on disciplining and that you must always agree with the word of God. And the Word of God says, there is an opportunity for you to discipline a child. And during this period of the child, the child is only usually responsive to the rock. Especially responsive to pain. Right? Uh, but you only use the discipline on the cane, not on places that can be seen. Right? So you don't ever discipline the child on the hand, because it can be seen, because that would be shameful to the child. You never discipline on the feet, is always on the buttocks and not with the pampers on, right? You can't discipline with the diapers on, right? So, only on the butt, right? That's the only place. And usually just one will do, 
Okay? You have applied it correctly, just one will do. So this is something that we must agree with scriptures. Now there are parents who disagree with scriptures and as a result, you have problems in bringing up children. And I've seen examples of that. Children who grow up wayward because they have never been disciplined when they were children and it becomes too late and the child is rebellious into teenage years and there is no, nothing much you can do about it because the child has already... I mean, you have passed that golden period of discipline. And though it is very, very exhausting, parenting has its rewards. My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. And that is the greatest joy of parents, to see your children grow up wise, sensible, thoughtful, kind, gentle, and Christ-like. More and more like Jesus, loving Christ and serving God with you in the church together. What a joy it is when you see children like that, who are raised in the way of the Lord. Right? I mean, they are coming to church with you every Lord's Day, and they are rejoicing with you. Right? But if you have wandered far away from God, today, may you come back to the Lord. If you are a prodigal child, if you have gone astray from God, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where you should come back to God. If you have heard this sermon, may you come home to God. Come to Christ. Come home to your parents. Be reconciled with them. Love your parents, honour them, which is a commandment with promise of God's blessings. So we have seen instructions for children and for parents, and we're going to see finally just a few instructions for grandparents. <laughs> our grandparents should be role model to our grandchildren. Right, let's read this together, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Louis and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. These are instructions from uh, the letter from the Apostle Paul to Timothy, speaking of the godly influence that Timothy enjoyed while he was growing up as a child from his mother. Eunice, and also from his grandmother, Louis. So this speaks of the important role of grandparents as well, right? That we have the role of reinforcing whatever our children are teaching to our grandchildren. We reinforce. We don't undermine. We don't undermine whatever they have taught them, right? I was quite horrified one day when, um, not in this church, but uh, my previous encounter with an elder of a church, right? Uh, not, not Elder Boone, uh, okay? <laughs> with an elder of the church. And this elder told me on a Sunday morning, no less, right? He told me, uh, it is the role of grandparents to spoil the grandchildren. I was horrified. I said, what is, where is that from the Bible? <laughs> no, it's not, right? She said, it's justified for him to give the grandchildren sweets and snacks to spoil them at any time because the parents won't give them. Right? Because it would give tooth decay and all that. Right? So grandparents can give all these things. I said, no. That's not what grandparents should do. We should reinforce and not undermine what the children are trying to teach. The good habits in our grandchildren. And we can bestow many wonderful blessings to our grandchildren by our role model. That we love the Lord. We walk the talk. We are consistent 
in our walk with God. We love the Lord. We serve God. We go to church on Sunday. And therefore, we encourage our grandchildren to do the same thing. We read the Bible every day ourselves. And we read the Bible with our grandchildren. So that our grandchildren know that it's important to have our daily bread. It's important to have the daily time praying to God and to serve God and to come to church on the Lord's Day to worship God. And so we must teach the Bible to our grandchildren. So let's read this together in Psalm 78. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He had done, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. You see this gospel baton that is being relayed and passed down. It's like a relay, you know. We're running this relay. We're passing this gospel baton to our children. Our children are passing this baton to our children, right? To the great-grandchildren, right? It's being passed down from generation to generation. We will arise and tell our children, grandchildren, and the great-grandchildren. We will not hide all these treasures. You know, in times past, people who have treasures, right? They don't have banks, right? So what do they do? They hide this treasure box in the ground, at the bottom of the house, right? They dig a hole and they hide the treasure box. That is not how we treat the treasure of the gospel. The treasure of the gospel is to be given freely, right? To everyone around us. That's the greatest treasure in the whole world. And this is what we must give generously, starting from our children, our grandchildren, and also our family members. So what can we do as grandparents? We must build relationships with our grandchildren. Have a long-range vision for our grandkids. Right? Support our children in raising our grandchildren in the way of the Lord by being consistent, by reinforcing the Bible lessons. Pray with them. Teach them the Word of God. Read the Bible with them. Bless them. Right? Always praise them. Affirm their good habits, the good things that they do. Affirm their good character the things that they did well, the things that are wrong, they're sinful, correct them. Now, you don't have to cane them. As grandparents, we should not do it. We should leave it to the parents to discipline the children. But we will have to tell our children, right, when they come back from work, if our grandkids have misbehaved, right, so that they will also be dealt with by the parents. Right, we have the example in Genesis 48 of Jacob blessing his son Joseph's boys, Ephraim and Manasseh, and he blessed them. He blessed them by praying for them, by asking for God's blessings upon them. This is what we can do every day as grandparents. We can pray for them. We can pray for the little ones. Right? We can bless them with the blessings from God. And we can build our relationships by not undermining the parents' authority. I mentioned that earlier on. And we must manage also our grand kids screen time sometimes grandparents try to do things secretly you say yeah i know your parents don't allow you to play these computer games on the ipad don't worry you are in grandpa's house in grandpa's house you can do something different no 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 right cannot do that right then you are undermining right you must also manage your grandchildren's screen time below one and a half years old screen time is bad zero right no screen time at all not allowed this is from the Health Promotion Board of Singapore. So there are secular studies that have shown that screen time has very, very bad effects on especially young children. 
Don't talk about adults. Huh? It's bad enough for adults. Right? It's especially bad for very, very young children. Right? So one and a half to three years, so at most one hour per day, but not video games. Right? Video games are very addictive. They're very bad for young children. Because once they're addicted to it, it's very hard for them to get out of it. Right? And so you have to talk to your children what they will allow for their children, right? for your grandkids, and make sure that you are consistent, even in grandpa and grandma's house. So we have an example in the case of Fanny Crosby, the famous uh, blind hymn writer. Even though she was young, in those days they didn't have the school for the blind. She was blinded when she was very young as a baby. She couldn't go to school. But her mother and her grandmother made sure that she had an education at home. Starting from the Bible, the Word of God. That she would never grow up ignorant like many other disabled or blind children who did not have education. That she was taught to do household chores. She was taught the Word of God. Right? And uh, when, um, when, her, when her father died, when she was very, very young as a baby, her mother had to go out to work as a domestic helper for a rich family. Right? So most of the time, her mother was away from home. And so she was left in the care of a grandmother. Her grandmother was a godly lady. She made sure that Fanny Crosby knew all the Bible lessons, all the Bible stories, and would read the Bible with her and describe the world in very vivid language to Fanny Crosby. And that is how she was able to picture and imagine the world, even though she could not see. And she was able to write this beautiful hymn. And later on, when they moved to another place, she was placed in the care of this old lady, who is a, uh, the landlady, uh, called Mrs. Hawley. And she made sure that Fanny Crosby memorized scriptures, even though she cannot read, right? She would read the Bible verses to Fanny Crosby and make sure she memorized portions, chapters of the Bible. So that in just a few years... Fanny Crosby could memorize all of the Gospels, all the four Gospels, most part of Psalms, most part of Proverbs, and even Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. <laughs> so that was why Fanny Crosby could have all these Bible verses and the Bible stories to write all these beautiful hymns because it was all in her brain. When she was very, very young, her brain was like a sponge. She was absorbing and memorizing all these Bible verses. So much so that she was a champion. Every year, the church would have this Bible reciting competition. Right? See, they would have all the kids right, in the church. Everyone would recite Bible verses. She is the girl who, has, who can recite the most number of Bible verses. She wins every year. Right? Because she has memorized the Word of God in her mind. And she was also... Uh, her grandmother was also a prayer warrior too. And she taught Fanny Crosby. She said, if the Lord does not want you to have what you have prayed for, then it is best for you not to have it. So if the Lord has seen to it that you will not have sight, it's best not for you to have it. It may be God's will for someone else to have sight. But for you, you have a different path. God has chosen a different path for you. Yes, it was a doctor's mistake. It was a quack doctor who damage your eyes when you were a baby, but God is overall in control. That you are blinded so that you may be a blind hymn writer. That you may write all these beautiful hymns so that all of us can enjoy the beautiful hymns by Fanny Crosby. 
So today we have learned many precious lessons for children, to honour our parents, to care for them in old age, because Christ is our head, He's given us commandments with promise. And parents are to train up our children in the way they should go, through formative instruction every day, and also through correction, to corrective discipline. And most importantly, to set the children's hope in God. And there are rewards when our children grow up loving God and following Christ. And as grandparents, we have to be role model to our grandkids and support our children also in parenting. Well, may the Lord help us to honour Christ as we honour our parents and also as we train our children and grandchildren in the way of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for your word that is truth. We ask for forgiveness for many times we have failed. Lord, may you help us to always go back to your word and always strive to obey you all the days of our lives. For we pray all these giving you thanks and praising you in Jesus' name. Amen.